Good morning, everybody. It is good to be here with you. Welcome. Um, it's such a joy to gather like this each week to tell Christ's story together, to encounter God's spirit together, and to be formed more like Christ together. Um, our call to worship today comes from Revelations chapter 21, verses 3 to 6, where the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, describes his vision of Jesus' return. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning declaring you are our God and that we are your people. We come forever grateful for the cross of Jesus who made a way for us to you and new life with you. God, we trust that what we experience here together in your presence is just a glimpse of heaven where all nations and all people will gather around your throne in worship and we, are, we will experience all things new. So come meet us here, Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. Amen. As you are able, please stand as we sing. Shepherd will defend 
Jesus was till that day we will praise you for your never ending grace we will keep on singing on that glorious day what a blessed hope what a blessed hope have some extended prayer together before we pass the peace of Christ, but today um, we're going to do that a little bit later in the service, after the sermon. So 
for now, peace of Christ to you, church. When we say that to each other, we're not just wishing that um, it would be true, but it is true, and we're speaking that truth to each other. So as you find your seat, please turn to one another and say peace of Christ to someone around. morning again and welcome again to everyone. It's so good to see you all. Um, I wanted to share a few community announcements. So um, one thing, if you've been here before, you'll notice um, we didn't do our extended prayer um, right after the first set of songs. So during the summer, we're going to try to um, move that around a little bit. We're going to have the sermon come a little bit earlier in the service um, so that we can give more time to respond to God's word, maybe a little more oomph to responding to God's word. So we will take communion and pray as we usually do after the sermon, um, but we will pray more at length in response to the word that we um, have been hearing. So everybody's here on time, hopefully, um, and just know that the sermon will come a little bit earlier than usual. Um, next weekend, July 9th, um, we will have a small group leader slash host interest meeting. So small groups are a super important part of our church community. Um, hopefully you've been part of one, and if not, hopefully you will um, get involved. It's one of the best ways to have a deeper connection, um, spiritual connection and community connection with um, people in our church community, and we rely on small group hosts and leaders. Um, so at this meeting, We'll be talking about what does it mean to be a small group leader? What does it mean to be a host? It's no obligation, so you can just come if you're interested or curious. Um, it will be over Zoom on uh, July 9th, so you can find the link on our website. On that same day, uh, after service, we will have a welcome lunch. So if you're recently new to the church, you wanted to meet some people, and you haven't been to a welcome lunch, we hope that you will um, join us. And you can meet some folks who've been here for a while, get to talk to our pastors as well. Um, and you can RSVP at um, online, and, and you can also send um, an email to wel the welcome email to let us know you're coming, make sure we have enough food for everyone. Um, coming up towards the end of the month on July 22nd, there's a parenting, parenting seminar called Parenting in an Age of Increasing Harm and Violence. Um, it's for parents, for families, um, or even if you're not a parent, you're welcome to come. Um, it will be at noon on Saturday the 22nd, um, and it's going to be hosted by our Race and Justice Ministry. This will be a time for us to engage with issues that impact us currently, and will probably persist for some time to come, such as school violence and shootings, teenage mental health, social media, and the way it affects how we live today, um, and how it will continue to impact how we parent, the way that um, children and students grow up, and the way that communities are formed. Um, so this will be a time of open discussion, also hearing from some experts, going to scripture, and praying through some of these issues. Um, Jared and Victoria have kindly offered to host this. Um, they live in Annandale. Lunch will be provided. So we ask that you please um, RSVP to Tony. Um, not up there, but Tony's email, we will have it available um, to RSVP. Also, if you have any questions about um, the seminar or if you need a ride out to Annandale. So um, please mark your calendars for that. That's a Saturday. 
the following Sunday, the 23rd, and the Sunday after that, the 30th, we are actually going to try out a new location. So we've been meeting in this hotel for a number of years, um, but we're going to see if something else might fit better. So um, we're going to be meeting at the Synetic Theater, which is in Crystal City. It's, a, it's right across from the Crystal City Metro. You can actually, if you take the Metro, you can get there like underground without going up to the sidewalk. But there's also a parking garage available that leads you right in. Um, or if you live in the neighborhood, obviously you can just walk right there. Um, so we will be having our uh, service in that theater space. So Synetic Theater on July 23rd and 30th. Lastly, um, we are collecting offering online as usual. Um, so while we don't pass a physical basket, um, please pray with me as I pray for this week's offering. God, we acknowledge that all we have comes from you. You are the great giver, the great blesser, and the great provider. Um, so we pray for this week's offering. We pray that you would help us to give joyfully um, back to you just a small part of all that you have given to us. Um, God, please bless this week's offering. Please magnify it to bless others and to shine your light, your love, and your glory to the furthest reaches of um, our city, our country, and our world. Um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. morning, everybody. All right. Um, all right. Well, um, it's good to be here together. Um, I know some of you have just traveled or are about to travel. Some, some of us are traveling now and are not here today. But um, uh, as the summer begins, I um, hope you guys are having a really you know, good summer and, and will have a good summer. Um, some of our um, like kind of church life is a little slowed down during the summer. Um, especially if you're serving a lot, typically in our church, if, if that's you, um, we hope that the summer is a nice uh, little respite for you um, as well. Um, anyway, this summer also, so far, we've been having these sermons, five uh, sermons so far, or this is the fifth of five sermons, uh, talking about our vision statements as a church. So our vision statements are there to help us keep like the main things the main things keep us majoring on majors. So Pastor Steve has talked lately about how if we don't make the main things the main things, other things become the main things. So let's not do that. Today we're looking at Luke chapter 4 as we consider our last vision statement. And I'm going to read our last vision statement. Actually, if we can project it, yeah. We envision greater realities of God's kingdom in the DMV region as we participate in his redemptive work in our broken world. So please turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and um, let's pray before we read. Let's pray together before we read here. God, we thank you for your word, and we want to hear you, and we want, Lord, to really hear you. And as we've been singing, Lord, we are not just open to you, but we are eager for you in your presence here, and we're eager for your presence uh, to come when you... Um, bodily and visibly return, Lord. Lord, all of us um, who are thirsty, all of us who are weak, Lord, we turn to you with gladness. Lord, knowing um, how present you are, how real your life is. 
how real your love is. And also, we, in our hearts and in our lives, we carry um, people and peoples who are thirsty and weak. And we desire that they come to you. And that we desire, Lord, Lord, for us together to know your life. Lord, as we're here in, in front of your word, as, we hear, as we're here in the presence of your spirit, listening to him, listening to his words on the page, but also listening to him as he's with us now. Lord, know that our desire is real. Lord, know our need, know our desire, and fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, fill others up through us. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, we're going to be reading at the middle point, basically, of Luke chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 14, but let me just set up the scene before we read it. Um, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we're in Luke chapter 4. This is the first few chapters of Luke's biography of Jesus. Luke, this writer, has told us already about Jesus' baptism and how at that baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus bodily and how witnesses saw this and also heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son. Then after that, we see the Holy Spirit um, leading Jesus into a wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And this scene shows us that Jesus is the true Israel. That's the point of that little passage. He's a true Israel, the true agent and servant and son of God that Israel failed to be. By the way, it's not so much about like memorizing Bible passages to overcome temptation, though I think memorizing the Bible is a good thing. That passage is about how Jesus is a true Israel, that, Je that tr Israel never became. So then we come to this passage in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, and Luke is still introducing Jesus. He's still defining who Jesus is. Scholars call this section of Luke 4 Jesus' inauguration speech, the statement of his platform, his program, his purpose. This is what Jesus is about, and that's what we're going to be reading here. So let's start in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the, so after being led to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. So he, it seems like he's teaching uh, from the rest of the rest of the book of Luke, we can imagine that he's um, talking about his teaching, his healing, his exorcism ministry. So a report about him went, through, uh, went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He's going back to his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. Verse 17, and the scroll or the book of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You could translate that acceptance or welcome. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So he's going to speak. And so in that day, I guess the tradition is for um, the speaker to sit down. Like I'm standing up, but I guess in ancient Israel, I would have been sitting down um, after standing up to read. Eyes of all all in the synagogue were fixed on him. In verse 21, and this is the final verse we'll read in this passage. And he began to say to them, and this is how he begins his sermon. And we don't know if there's more that's beyond this or if it's just a super short sermon. You know, like, man, if only Jesus could preach here. <laughs> All these super short sermons. Anyway, um, I know this is what we have that Luke gives us. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's it. It's like a mic drop. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's an, it's an amazing sermon. Um, we're we're going to just talk about this passage. Um, it's sort of three points to lead us. Number one, we're going to be talking about the person. It's Jesus. Number two, we're going to be talking about his purpose. And finally, we're going to be talking about our participation in it. So first, the person. Okay, this is Jesus. This is Jesus' self-description. So he reads from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me. Verse 21, this is his sermon. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Because I am here. Isaiah was talking about me. See, when Jesus reads this, he's like reading this. He didn't make up this poetry on the spot. He's reading from the book or the scroll of Isaiah. Jesus doesn't present himself generally as just a creative theologian. He presents himself totally consistent, totally of the same stream as or with the prophets of the Bible. He also presents himself as God. So, yeah, he's not just like the prophets, but his message and the way of life that he puts forth in word and action are what the prophets have said for a long time. And this is important because we, we can see here that if we want to try to understand Jesus, we have to understand Isaiah. We have to understand the prophets of the Old Testament. If we want an accurate picture of Jesus, one that Jesus would actually agree with, Let's meditate on the prophets. In fact, there are four biographies of Jesus in the Bible called Gospels, capital G. But in church history, the prophet Isaiah was considered like so important to understanding Jesus. The church used to call Isaiah's book the fifth gospel. So this passage of Isaiah is about Jesus. It's also about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are so tightly connected, like I guess mysteriously and just impossibly connected, And it's why other parts of the Bible call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit turns right, Jesus turns right. The Holy Spirit goes left, Jesus goes left. They're that tightly connected. Whatever they think, they feel, they do together. This passage tells us who Jesus is, and it tells us who the Spirit is. And so when we get to know any person for the sake of a relationship, whether through, like, hanging out or through, like, an app We want to get to know what they like and what they dislike or what they love and what they hate. Like, what do they consider meaningful work? What's important to them? What is their purpose? So, number two, his purpose. What is Jesus' purpose and the Holy Spirit's purpose? What is their mission? What do they love? What do they hate? What do they love? And our answer comes to us in poetry. 
And that's what we have here in Isaiah. And that's what Jesus um, uses to describe himself, poetry. This is poetry. I'm just going to read these verses again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah and Jesus say the Holy Spirit loves giving good news to the poor. Loves liberating prisoners, loves giving sight to the blind, loves releasing the oppressed, and loves proclaiming that this is a year, like now, today, this is a year of the Lord's favor, his welcome, his acceptance. His, you might, you might uh, remember this passage in Numbers, it talks about this year of jubilee, and it's like a, every 50 years, um, the ancient Israelites were told to practice this, but I, it's interesting. Like historically, I don't know if it ever was, um, but it's at least in Numbers, and it talk and talks about it's Leviticus, sorry, Leviticus twenty-five, and so it talks about this year, this fiftieth year of their community life, and every fiftieth year they're supposed to just cancel all debts, like any debt that you have, it's it's canceled, it's canceled. Um, if you have student debt. If you have credit card debt, no, you know, any debt that you could accrue, it's just canceled every 50th year. It's just gone. Anytime people were put in prison, they're released. Anytime you had to give up property, in that 50th year, it's all given back to you. It's this year of jubilee. And most scholars think that this is what, um, what Isaiah and Luke have in mind when they talk about the year of the Lord's favor, when Jesus talks about the year of the Lord's favor. It's a year of the Lord's, another way to think about it is the year of the Lord's acceptance. It's a time of Jesus' welcome. You know, Luke talks about hospitality all the time. And this word that's translated favor, it's also translated welcome and receiving, acceptance. Actually, just, we're not going to read it, but like five, five or so verses down um, in this passage, we find out that the, the people of his hometown did not give him this acceptance, this favor, this um, welcome. Uh, it turns out the other way, actually. They, want, they literally want to throw him off a cliff, but we, we, won't, we won't go there, at least today. If you're curious, keep reading in Luke chapter 4. But this is poetry. So, you know, let's just ask ourselves, what are these poets, these prophets, Jesus, what are they talking about here? Good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty those who are oppressed. Liberty for those who are oppressed. The year of the Lord's favor, of his, his acceptance. Like, are they talking about, like, spiritual liberation? Are they talking about good news for the spiritually poor, the spiritually blind, the spiritually oppressed? I think yes, because that's very consistent with the rest of the Bible and the rest of Jesus' teaching. But we could also ask, are the prophets and Jesus talking about, like, physical physiological things like physical blindness? Are they talking about material poverty? Poverty, And I would say yes, because that's also consistent. That's consistent with Jesus' ministry of like literally like healing blind people so that they can see. Early church doing the same, taking care of the materially poor. But also as we look at this poetry, we can think, are the prophets and Jesus talking about like societal oppression? incarceration and poverty. And yes, that is consistent with the rest of Isaiah and the whole Bible. 
They are all these things. If Jesus is a savior to the world, what is he saving this world from? Is he saving this world from sin? Yes. From individual sin? Yes. From our collective sin? Yes. From demonic spiritual oppression? Yes. From systemic poverty and oppression? Yes. Is he coming to save communities from imprisonment and indebtedness, not just individuals, but communities? Yes. From separation from God and each other, from our community versus community, individual versus individual lives? Yes. See, our world's brokenness isn't just one of these things. It's not just systemic or structural. It's not just spiritual. It's not just individual. It's not just communal. It's all these things. It is spiritual. It is individual. But it's also physical. It's physiological. It's societal. It's mental. It's emotional. It's demonic. It's in our hearts. It's in our laws. It's in our institutions. It's in our families. It's in our industries. That's where our brokenness as a people, as a world are. And we need salvation from layers upon layers of brokenness and evil. And that's what Jesus comes to bring. Amen? Fulfilling our church's fifth vision statement, like seeing these realities. Can we actually put that vision statement up one more time? We envision greater realities of God's kingdom in the DMV region as we participate in his redemptive work in our broken world. What is that redemptive work? What is that kingdom? What is that brokenness that we're talking about? Is it just individual sin? No. Is it systemic? Yes. Is it demonic? Yes. Is it all these things? Yes. Is it societal? Is it familial? Is it all these things? Yes. And what's really great about this fifth vision statement that our church uses, seeing these realities, seeing these greater realities of God's kingdom, it keeps us as a church from basically implying that Jesus' mission or what the Holy Spirit loves, what Isaiah and the prophets proclaim, that these are all just about, like, a person's soul or about, like, invisible things. No, it's about so many things. It's about even visible realities. Jesus' mission is actually super tangible and super concrete. So after he reads this passage of Isaiah, which is a combination of Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58, he rolls up the scroll, sits down. Everyone's waiting for him to speak. In verse 21, he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Literally, that word hearing is ears. It's been fulfilled in your ears. And it's an interesting figure of speech. But if you know how ears and hearing usually appear in the preaching of Jesus, you know that this one-sentence sermon of Jesus calling his hearers to a response. He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. That is, live this out. Don't just say it. That's just a really interesting thought. Jesus says that his words aren't just interesting. They're meant to be lived out. They're meant to lead to changed lives. And actually, the rest of this chapter, like I mentioned earlier, is how his hearers, those people with ears on this Sabbath day in Nazareth, did not respond well. They did not give him welcome or favor. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. And how are we going to respond like, are we responding basically with, well, that's really interesting, Jesus? Or, no, now that's not my agenda, Jesus. I'll take a ticket to heaven, but I won't take your agenda. And if we respond like that, just to say it bluntly, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. We're not real followers of Jesus. And as a church, we've tried, we've tried to respond to who Jesus is according to Isaiah. We've responded by saying 
yes, Lord, that's our agenda too. And that's why we have this as a vision statement. We envision greater realities of God's kingdom in the DMV region as we participate in his redemptive work in our broken world. Lord, the Spirit is on you. And actually, as we join in Jesus' work, the Spirit is on, is, sorry, is on us, anointed to preach good news to the poor right here, to proclaim liberty to the captives, liberty to those who are oppressed, recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year. That's what defines our time. That's what defines our time, everybody. It's the year of the Lord's favor. It's not just 2023. It's not just like the year of the rabbit. Or I think it's the year of the rabbit. I'm, I'm, like, I'm bad Asian. I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. It's a year of whatever. It's, this is a year of the Lord's favor. This is a time. We're living in a time where God is gracious and accepts. This is a time where God accepts us and welcomes us, where his spirit is poured out. This is a time of God's favor. This is a season for it. As a church, we're responding to this and are responding with our partners here in this area. You know, that's why we work with Little Lights and support Little Lights and we pray for Little Lights. We bless Little Lights as they work to serve poor, mostly black communities in Southeast D.C. That's why we are partnering with Casa Chiralagua to serve immigrant communities from Central America in like Arlington and Alexandria, like Arlandria. If you want to get involved, please do. As individuals in the church, too, like we participate in God's kingdom. We participate in this purpose, this program of Jesus. Some of you are volunteering, maybe with Little Lights in Casa. Some of you are giving. Some of you also get paid for your work taking care of the orphan and the widow, of the oppressed, the captives, and so on. You know, some of you within your regular work are lifting up communities who have not a lot of advocates. You know, you're a director at an IT company, and you started an internship program for underrepresented minorities. You're a literary agent, and you put a focus on minority writers. You're a consultant who helps large companies and banks see sustainability as profitable. This is not just your mission. It's the mission of Jesus. It's the kingdom of Jesus. Amen? And let me encourage us. Let's, let me exhort us to think how we can see these purposes, these loves of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our, like, workplaces and in industries, too. Like, in your firm, in your hospital, in your school, your department or office of the government, your industry, you know, whatever it is. How can we envision greater realities of God's kingdom here? You know, and I'd encourage you to just think about it constantly. Just to think about it constantly. How can I see God's kingdom? How can I see this, like, fifth vision statement, how can I see it happening? How do I see God's redemptive work in our broken world coming to fruition here? You know, what would it look like for your company, your business, your industry to experience greater realities of the kingdom of God? How could Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, this poetry, be accurate descriptions of the Spirit's work in your business or industry? Like, what would it look like in our city, our region, our local neighborhoods and governments, local, state, federal? Like, what would it look like in the courts? And for some of us, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. I mean, I think it should be a hard question. It's complicated. But let's think about it. 
God's kingdom and its realities are not just about, like, interchange in individuals. It's about societal change. It's about righting wrongs. It's about good news to the poor. You know, like that song we sang, all who are thirsty, all who are weak. That is Jesus' program. And it's not just, like, emotionally poor, emotionally weak. It's in so many, we- so many ways weak and thirsty. And this is the Lord's program. This is his purpose. He's calling us to participate in it. He's calling us to recognize that this is his purpose, and he's calling us to participate in it. You know, just this past week, like, just some, again, things for us as people who take Jesus' word seriously to think about. Like, how did Jesus and the Holy Spirit feel about the Supreme Court ruling against, like, I'm not talking about the, the student that one, but the, the one against Harvard and North Carolina and affirmative action and admissions. Like, how does that ruling align or not align with Jesus' purpose? You know, I know we can't answer that simplistically, but we still ask. You know, for those of you who are, like, Asian American, maybe this feels like a correction of an injustice that you experienced or a correction uh, that will help, like, your children or nieces or cousins or whatever get fairer treatment in admissions. But then as Asian-American Christians, then, who have ears to hear Jesus, if you, especially if you have access to resources and education, as followers of Jesus, we consider the impact on people who don't have access, especially those who historically don't, including black, brown, and as well as Asian-American. These are things for us to think about. Why do we think about it? Why do we think about that? Because... This is Jesus' purpose, his program. It animates our life. It animates our imagination. We envision greater realities of God's kingdom, participating in his his redemptive work in this broken world. I'm just going to read this passage of Isaiah one more time, and I'm going to actually read from the source, I'm going to read from Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may also, or that he may be glorified. And they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations, repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And Isaiah 58 says, is this not the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free? That's the part that Jesus quotes here in Luke 4. And to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And you will call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry, and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, your light will rise in the darkness. Your gloom will be like the noonday sun. 
and the Lord will guide you and satisfy your desire and make your home strong. You'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. You know, a long time ago when I was, I'm just going to close with this. When I was, um, like, in my early 20s, um, a big controversy in the American church. I mean, maybe it still is a little bit, but it was a big controversy back then. Um, was, like, um, regarding, like, charismatic churches and charismatic movements and some of their, um, their um, just kind of things they did. And um, when I say charismatic, I don't mean, like, oh, they're just, like, really funny and smart people. I mean, like, charismatic, capital C, like, they use, like, they believe in, like, miraculous spiritual gifts and things like that. And um, it's kind of like crazy things happening in their in their ministries, and um, and I remember one feature of this was that like there'd be sort of revival. It's called revival, and um, there'd be all these things happening, these kind of weird, crazy things happening, good things happening um, in a city or in a place, and um, all these Christians would like fly there. Because, like, I want, I want to be part of this. I want to experience it for myself. And I want to take some of this and, and bring it back to my own community. Um, and then uh, this um, pastor, pastor uh, who, who was my pastor for a short time, um, someone asked him this. Like, hey, what do you think of this, the revival happening in such and such city? Because uh, it's controversial. Some people say it's fake and it's demonic. Some people say it's incredible, you know. And he said, well, I've never been there. So I can't say, um, you know, I can't really say much about it because I haven't seen it myself. But he says, one thing I do know is that if you want revival, you don't have to fly to that city to get it. And he referred back to this passage in Isaiah. And he said, according to Isaiah, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, if you clothe the naked, if you set the oppressed free, your light will shine like the noonday sun. That's how you get revival. And I, I thought that was such an incredible answer to that question. That answer, I feel like, beats with the heart of Jesus. This is his program. Remember, this is just the beginning of Luke. This is what Jesus is all about. This is introducing Jesus. This is his purpose. This is his program. And we're called to participate. That's, that's the kind of revival we're talking about. You know, like, uh, yeah, revival of all these people coming to Christ, yes, amen. But that's just part of it. It's a revival of change. It's a revival of transformation, not just of an individual, but of a family, of a neighborhood, of a city, of an institution, of how we do things, of culture. And that's what we're seeking. Lord, yeah, Holy Spirit, come. You know, and ultimately, Lord Jesus, come. All these people, saddled with debt, saddled, with, saddled by oppression, saddled by imprisonment, and so on. Communities that are saddled like this. Yeah, one day Jesus is going to come, and they're going to run into his open arms. And there's going to be such relief. It's going to be incredible. It's beautiful. But in the meantime, I want to see glimpses of that. Because we know God gives us glimpses of that. He wants to give previews of that as we live out in his Holy Spirit, this life of following Jesus. Amen. Uh, let's pray together. 
Um, and just, just very simply, actually, in a second, Julie's going to come back up and, and lead us in a corporate prayer. But uh, just before we do that, just, just on your own, can you, can you just, like, recommit or, or commit your heart? Like, Lord, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to just be about my life and about, you know, my material dreams and so on. But, Lord, as I hear about your agenda, your program, your purposes, you know, I want to be one with you in that. Like, I, I want to be a, like a real, a genuine follower of yours. You can even ask, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, just like the Holy Spirit was on you as you did these things. Fill me with your Holy Spirit again. Let's take a moment just in your own way. It's not against, it's not something we're manufacturing. It's just a, another way that we're invited to be one with Jesus. It's another way that we're drawing near to the Lord. I'm not coming by my effort. I'm not coming by my merit. I'm just coming because you call me, Lord. I'm coming because this is you. This is what you died for. This is what you rose for. Draw me near to yourself. Let's take a moment. God, we marvel at all of your creation and all the good things you have made. You are good and beautiful, righteous, just and holy, loving and merciful. And though we as your image bearers should live with one another and love the way you do, we confess we fall woefully short because of our sins. We confess and repent on behalf of ourselves, our church and our world we have built monuments to us in our own names and we make and contribute to an unjust world. We acknowledge that. Um, we acknowledge the unjust social and economic and governing systems dominated by greed and fear rather than by mercy and generosity and humility and kindness. Church, as we pray, I will say at times, Lord, may your kingdom come and I invite you to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Let's continue to pray. God, we receive your forgiveness purchased for us through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We receive your empowerment through your Holy Spirit to participate with you in building your kingdom. God, we pray your kingdom would come in our families. We pray for mending of broken relationships between spouses or between parents and children or siblings with one another. Heal generations of suffering, of misunderstanding, abandonment, and abuse. Lord, may your kingdom come. God, in places of learning at home or in our schools and other academic or um, research institutions, we pray that your truth would be sought after and we ask for wisdom and skill for all who teach and understanding and discernment for those who learn, 
that we might instruct and listen according to your ways, to your justice. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray that our marketplaces and economies would not crowd out the poor or the sojourner, and that what is sold or bought, consumed, would be things that help life flourish and not destroy. God, eradicate slavery. Eradicate unjust treatment of workers. God, turn our hearts that we would be honest and gracious in our dealings. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray for our civic leaders and our local and national government. We pray for laws and policies to be developed and executed with justice and mercy. For you to establish elected officials and government workers with upright character and who hate bribes or deception. We pray that public works would benefit all communities and not just the well-connected or the well-off. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray for places of physical, emotional, and mental healing, that they would be effective, accessible to all, and purposed primarily for health and wellness over monetary profit. May the hands who minister to the sick bring about your healing with equity and justice. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray for the channels of communication and expression to be filled with truth, creativity, and beauty. Bless those working in all forms of media, including publications, social media, visual arts, journalism, and broadcasts, and others. May all their works point to you. We ask your blessing to flow through those who entertain through their professions, that they would bring joy that reflects your joy, Lord. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, in our church here at GCCC, in Pentagon City, in Arlington, in Washington, in Tyson's, in Bailey's, and beyond, in Cambodia, Indonesia, Tea House, and all the world. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup and he said, this is a cup new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins and he says when you take this bread and this cup you proclaim my death until i come again and that's what we do um, we have uh, communion elements on both sides of the room um, there's a little um, they're individually wrapped little things so there's um, a um, a wafer on the top and, and um, cup below it you just peel the top and then peel the whole thing off uh, to drink uh, as we come and take those things we'll, we'll Finish with a finish our service with a, a couple songs. Um, just encourage you as you take this bread and as you take this cup, just to, to remember that we are one together. And Jesus, that your mission is our mission. We're one together. Just encourage you to take it that way. Before we do that, we're just going to celebrate what we do here, not just in this communion, but what we do as a in our whole service and maybe in 
full life as a church, uh, proclaiming a very simple version of proclaiming uh, who Jesus is and what he's done. And so the, mis- the mystery of our faith is great. Please come and take, um, on both sides of the room, please take uh, the elements. If you're a follower of Jesus, we, uh, we invite you to take these elements and um, you can bring them back to your seat.
join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith and with one voice a thousand generations
Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Uh, friends, uh, I know sometimes we can think about church as uh, sort of like a gym. Uh, our church service is uh, sort of like a gym because we come here and, like, we uh, practice. Like, we work out, we exercise. And it's not just like an exercise to make our bodies look a certain way. Um, but it's exercise to, to practice being like Christ. Practice sharing his heart. Being practiced and doing uh, a life one with him, a heart one with him. And I feel like we've had a workout today. It's been really good. It's been really good to work out together. Um, so as we go from here, from this gym, from this exercise, from this practice, let's go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you in a week. Thanks.